Hello everybody, it's Colin Ellis here and welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast for Monday the 1st of May 2023. Hope you're good. Recording this slightly early because I'm slightly jet-lagged. So uh, it's a perfect opportunity to do Also, I can't believe how dark it is. I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say. It's not a weather update this morning. It's a darkness update here in Australia uh, because the hour went back yeah the hour went back while I was away um so yeah it's super dark this morning um, and not conducive to going for a run if you've listened to this podcast before what I like to do is record the podcast and go for a run but it looks dark and it looks possibly chilly and I, I don't fancy it anyway enough of that uh on this episode I'm going to talk about how to deal with the awkward uh awkward but necessary situation that we often find ourselves in or you find yourself in having to talk to a colleague about the behavior yeah yeah so we'll talk about that and um, the coffee today uh, my wife very kindly picked me up some coffee locally um she's also drinking it too it's not just for me uh, from the coffee shop just around the corner for us called wide open road who, who roast their own coffee which we get on the wind every now and again the smell of roasting coffee which is beautiful uh, and it's an ethiopian uraga 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 u-r-a-g-a ethiopian uraga uh, coffee uh, and it's got notes of lychee green apple and citrus let's go have a crack at this here Uh, yeah, I'm not really getting much citrus there. Definitely getting some lychees, which I hadn't, I'd never had a lychee until I was about in my early 30s. You know, there's just some foods that you're like, you've never had, and then you have them, you're like, how have I never had this? Uh, I mean, for most people, the first, you know, kind of taste of lychee is vodka. Certainly the people that I know. Um, yeah, lychee. I, I, I visited my brother at the start of this year and I made him a risotto with asparagus in. And bear in mind, he's 46. He'd never had asparagus. I was like, how have you not had asparagus in all this time? Anyway, just something to be good. Anyway, it's really nice coffee, but I should, should say that. Really nice coffee. Definitely getting the uh, lychee. Not a lot of citrus, but definitely some green apple. Um... So yes, there have been lots of uh, just, I, I feel like I've been overwhelmed with stories recently and it's hard to keep up with them. So what what I what I try and do every day is I, I scan the news headlines generally in about three continents. So uh, Europe, Asia and Australia. Uh, sorry, four continents, the US as well, it, it try and do it. Now, we use a bit of a, a news aggregator service to feed some stories, so that's where we get some of them, but also I'll just do some searches in and around either the delivery that I'm doing or the meetings that I'm having. And there's just been a lot in the news recently about um, toxic cultures. Now, for those of you who listened to the podcast before, you know that I talk a lot about uh uh, toxic cultures and how they arise and you know kind of the steps that you can do to to keep your organization out of the the media but there have been um a lot so a couple of government ministers and a news boss and in the u.s was in the new in the news uh for being a i guess the conduit 
for a for a toxic workplace. Yeah, the government minister in the in the in the UK. There was also a case in France, as well, where the head of an organisation. Uh, no, it wasn't a head; it was a senior manager. And here in Australia, um, there have been a, a, a couple of small stories around individuals um, who cause unrest at the workplace. Just it feels like a lot of stuff. Every time, every time I read one of these, I'm you know I'm always trying to piece together the root causes. Uh, such you know, partly so it can inform my work, but you know partly so we can extract the the lessons from it so i can pass them on in, in obviously in podcasts uh, such as this and um, and when i read those stories one of the things that immediately leaps to mind is that was somebody new somebody knew that the behavior was toxic somebody knew that that person was acting inappropriately somebody knew right Right. Every time you read one of these stories, the first thing you think of is like, well, somebody knew. And, and you know, I, I always say that, you know, you're only as good as the behavior that we choose to role model or that we choose to walk past. And so I often wonder about complicity in these situations. Now, I get the fact that if it's the CEO, if it's the head of an organization, what you what you really need here is your most senior people to stand up and be counted but really it's everybody's responsibility um to 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 kind of face down and and address toxic behavior and like and i'll get to that obviously it kind of works hierarchically even if you've got a flat structure it it, it, i'm afraid it does in the sense that um we work peer to peer and so if you notice some of this behavior, I'll take you through some examples in a minute. If you notice some of this behavior, if everyone's got a responsibility to do something, it's not enough to be quiet. It's not enough not to address it. So it's everybody's responsibility. I mean, because fundamentally, it's an obvious thing to say, but it's, it's worth repeating is that toxic, toxic people are bad for us, bad for business. You know, they're, they're, they're extremely bad for their health and mental well-being of, of pretty much all employees. Because there's a real danger that that toxicity can spread. You know, one of the things I talk about in my workshops when we talk about toxic culture. And toxic culture arises when you when you stay combatant for too long. So combatant, a combatant culture is where, you, where you're engaged in the work. You understand the reason for it, but you go about it in the wrong way behaviorally. And every now and again, we, we, we just need a little bit of that. Not too much. A little bit of that to remind us what we've got to do. And I don't mean you lurch to bad behaviour, but we just need a bit of a rock up. Sometimes someone may raise their voice in an emotionally intelligent way, but they may raise their voice to make a point about, you know, the way that we need to behave, the way that we need to act such that we can achieve our goals, whatever they may be. But some people stay in that space for far too long and they think that that's the way to get results. And that behavior then affects other individuals who believe that they can start acting that way. And before you know it, the collaboration that we need in order to be successful is eroded because what you've created is, is firstly factions, people who are prepared to use poor behavior to get what they feel they need is right. 
or else what you've just done is destroyed the culture altogether and 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 like snails we we curl up into our shells never to be seen again the american leadership author jim Rohn said that you're the average of the five people that you spend most time around so it's worth bearing that in mind particularly particularly in the workplace because you want to surround yourself with people who can help you to be the best version of you now the most obvious example of someone who's not helping you to be the best version of you is someone who will who will approach you with gossip now gossip is 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 a prime example of toxic behavior and yet for some reason it seems to be okay it seems to be pervasive now you're listening to this and you're probably thinking well colin it's not okay of course it's not it's absolutely not okay in many respects it's the worst thing that you can do to another human being, right? Psychologically, without them knowing about it. You know, it's the worst thing you can do. Call someone behind them. It's a terrible thing. And yet we do it all the time. As human beings, we do it all of the time. Is we talk about people behind their back. And, and we make excuses for it. People will say things like, oh, I shouldn't be telling you this. I shouldn't say this. But, oh, did you hear what she said to me? I don't normally talk about people, but this guy. Listen, don't tell anybody else, but um, how, how much do you think he earns? He's not worth that money. You know, did you see Did you see him at that event? Did you see what she was saying? Did you see what she... It happens all the time, right? Happens all of the time. Um, and it's not acceptable. It's it's completely and utterly unacceptable. I remember one of my team, mm, 2011, 12, something like that. One of my direct reports. And I was in the kitchen making a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And I overheard her talking to another, she was a project manager. She, she was talking to another one of the project managers. And she was bad-mouthing uh, the sponsor and I and I just called her over and I said it's absolutely inappropriate for you to talk about another human being in that way forget about the seniority and and the first thing she tried to do was rope me in right and she's like oh but Colin you must agree I'm like absolutely not I don't agree with anything that you're saying if you've got a problem then we need to discuss it with this particular individual because what I didn't want to do is pour fuel on the fire and go oh I know he can be like that can't he um, he wasn't a particularly nice individual, uh, but that wasn't absolutely wasn't the way to go about it. And we 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 dealt with it uh, by actually going and having a conversation. I, I said to her afterwards, "How do you feel?" She was like, "Oh, I feel much better." I was like, "Yeah," because the way to address these things is to actually speak to the individual. But the point that I'm making here is that, and this is just one example of a toxic employer. And I'll get to more in a minute. Um, one example of a toxic employer. Oh, this is almost the mildest form sometimes, and yet it's not. And you have to shut down gossip straight away. Now, the easiest way to do it is to let the person finish their sentence. Um, uh, don't react in any way. No nods. No mm-hmm, mm-hmm, none of that. Let them finish their sentence and say, please don't ever talk to me about another human being in that way ever again. I don't think it's right. Gossip is not something I agree with. Now, that's something really, really simple that you can do. Really simple. Now, if you're afraid of confrontation, be assured that this is not confrontational. This is you simply stating that you don't want to be party to this conversation and then you can walk away. 
like literally walk away if you're in the same space or if you're if you're doing it virtually you've made your point you don't need to say anything else you also don't need to, to apologize you don't need to be like i'm sorry but i don't want to hear this no you're not sorry um it, it's you know this is this is not something that you want to get involved in and now now sometimes other people will try and get you involved in the drama this just reminds me i'm not sure if you're familiar with this it's worth a it's worth a google if you if you're not familiar with this is the um Karpman drama triangle which is used a lot in in i think it's used in psychotherapy i think it, it's developed by a guy called um stephen Karpman years ago now i should have really uh, looked into that ahead of this point it just goes immediately leapt to mind but the Karpman triangle is is word is just yeah, you ever you ever had those situations where it just feels like there's non-stop drama going on? Do you know what I mean? Um, and and this is a, the kind of drama triangle. Now now, I'm trying to remember exactly, but there's essentially three roles in a drama triangle. There's usually kind of a a a victim, someone who 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 is helpless in a scenario, who has been persecuted for want of a better word, I think that's what that's what it's called in the triangle, persecuted by another individual. And then the third person in the in this relationship is a rescuer, someone who swings in. And what happens is you move all around this this um drama triangle and the goal really is to find a, a center point where you're actually prepared to take action. So so the the, the victim will often come to you and talk to you about the situation and they'll come at it from a from a poor me i i can't do anything i'm helpless you know kind of i feel oppressed i feel ashamed now now please don't please don't mistake me here if someone's got a genuine grievance if they have been bullied and if you've witnessed bullying it's it's your responsibility to report it it really is. It's. It, I've said many, many times on this podcast. It's. It's unacceptable for any human being to disrespect any other human being, or threaten, or harass, or bully any human being in a work context. Okay. So if you witness any of that, it's. A, it's your job to report it. It's not your job to sit on your hands, because you don't. First. Firstly, you want to protect that other individual, right? Uh, but secondly, you don't want to be on the receiving end of it yourself because, you know, if you, again, you're only as good as the behavior you choose to role model or walk past. If you walk past that behavior, it might come your way. Um, these are scenarios that when, when I talk about the drama triangle, these are literally people's dramas. And it's usually something you've witnessed and it's not been done in, in the way that the victim says at all. But the persecutor is made out to be kind of, the bully and the person that's critical, and often they can be. They can they, they they can put people down. Often, often people who are direct in their communication are often seen as persecutors. When actually, it's just a it's a different communication style. They're seen as a bit I don't know bossy or domineering, or they're quite rigid in their thinking. So you've got these kind of two people clashing, and then you've got this rescuer role that just kind of sweeps in, who who always ready to help, and. Um, basically get involved in something do you know what i mean we probably we probably all come across these people and we've probably all been these people we've probably all we've probably been all three of these roles at, at certain stages in our career um what they and and rescuers will 
pour fuel onto the gossip fire because they'll make the victim dependent on them. Um, they'll, they, they, I guess they want to be integral to the solution, even though sometimes they don't always believe that the solution will work. Um, so when you end up in this never-ending drama triangle, hence the name, I definitely go and research it. It's called the Carpman Drama Triangle by a guy called Stephen Carpman. Um, uh, but the goal is to land in the center point. And, and, and the center point is, to, is for one of those people to be the change. Be the change. So the rescue will say, it's up to you to go and speak to that person. The persecutor will say, it's up to me to apologize for my behavior or to create or more understanding. It's up to the victim to address the issue and explain how they feel and, you know, kind of what, what that resolution is. Um, I think if, it, you know, your role there, if someone talks to you about something like that, is to encourage the person to take action. It's not It's not to take the side of the persecutor and be thinking in your head, well, if I was that person, I would tell him what to do. He's a lazy so-and-so and I know it too, right? Um, it's not to assume that role. It's not to assume the role of rescuer and say, who? how can I help? The, the best thing that you can do in that scenario is tell the person who's on the receiving end to actually take control of the situation and go and talk to that person. Because it's only through conversation that you can actually resolve it. Now, if that person doesn't feel that they can talk to that person, then they have to go and talk to HR. That's the pathway. That's the pathway. We, we you know, what we don't want is this person feeling helpless. Again, part of that drama triangle. Um, I used to have a, a phrase, save the moans for home. You know, what you want to do is keep your gossip to yourself. Like save it for your, I don't know, your parent, your partner, your pets, people who don't really care. They don't, like, they don't, like, they'll listen to you, but they don't really care, like, oh, that's nice, dear, because um, what you don't want to do is become toxic yourself, all right, so be be aware of, of those uh, scenarios and situations, anything that you feel sucks the life out of you, right, is a situation to be avoided at all costs. But ultimately what you want to do, and this is true of anybody who's a toxic employee who works in and around you, or you feel, um, you know, you feel that the behavior towards you isn't where it should be, is, is it requires a courageous conversation. It requires a little bit of empathy, um, and it requires a courageous conversation. If, it, if, if it's another person, it requires empathy. And, and you always, you know, your first, your first question should always be, are you okay? You know, if someone, someone feels like they're a victim of something, of course a good human being would say, hey, listen, are you okay? Oh, yeah, but. And as soon as we get to the but, then it's a case of, hey, listen, you need to go and speak to this person to sort it out. You need to escalate it to your manager so they can help you sort it out. You need to speak to HR so they can sort it out. Now, if it's their behavior that's a problem, let me address that. And you get different types of behaviors in, in, in different teams. You get like um, people who are quite, I don't know, sticklers for kind of hierarchy and and certainty and they're, they're quite rigid in their thinking they're very administrative it's going to be done this way you get you get kind of egotists 
people who kind of flip from one thing to another. They've got loads of charisma, but they just can't focus on one thing or another. They're, they're, everything's done by their gut. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then you've got the people who really overdo it. You've got angry people. You've got either... They just, they just seem to be mad about everything. So you get these toxic types within teams and not necessarily managers, they could be employees. And so, you know, the first thing you're going to do, as I've just mentioned, is come at it with empathy. Is everything okay? Hey, listen. And and, and, and at that point, there's a reminder. You have to remind them that there's a way to behave. Now, if you've done the work to define your culture, then what you've got is a baseline. All right, so the work that I do with organizations, we do culture workshops and we define the behaviors that we expect of each other. You can then say, you can call back and say, hey, listen, we spent two days off site agreeing how we behave towards each other and this is not it. All right, so if you've got that, great. If you haven't, then you talk about respect for other human beings. I mean, fundamentally the same thing, Um, but that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna say, hey, listen, that's no way to treat me, treat another person. Our role is to respect each other and then to work hard together to achieve the outcomes that we're looking for collectively. But what we can't afford to do is sit on your hands. So empathy first. Why are they behaving in this way? Is there something that you need to better understand? So sometimes the question is, hey, listen, why why would you say that about another human being? Why would you say that about Colin? What has he done to upset you? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe you need to go and talk to Colin. It's not my job to get involved, but we can't have that behavior in this team. Okay. Um, similarly, when people check out, it's just it's just as toxic when people don't contribute. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're you know, all of the teams involved, but one person's deciding that they, they're just going to disengage for whatever reason. And again, what you want to do is invite in gently. Colin, you, you haven't shared your opinion and we're a team here. What's your view on this? I don't have one. Well, we're, we're a team. So I'm just going to give you, you know, a couple of minutes to think about it. But we need your input too. You know, every now and again, you'll get people who check out and like, oh, I'm not going to take part. For whatever reason. They might be stuck in their own little drama triangle. But again, a little bit of empathy first. You know, I know what you don't want to do. If you're a manager, what you don't want to do necessarily, unless the behavior is really poor is you don't want to address it publicly. You're always going to address it afterwards, privately, one-to-one. There's very few occasions, if I think back in, as a manager, where I've done something publicly. I, I remember someone fell asleep in, my, in a meeting once. I thought that was really poor. And I and I asked them to leave the meeting. I woke them up. Imagine that. I woke them. And it's not like my meetings are boring. <laughs> my meetings are... Anyway, turned out this guy had been playing video games late at night, whatever. Um... But, but 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 very few occasions. Oh, there was there was a time when uh, it was either two people or three people came late to a meeting together. Now, if we work together, you know, I I run my meetings like clockwork. They always started on time. They always finished on time. They they were always like random times, like you know, seventeen minutes and twenty two minutes. It was never thirty minutes and sixty minutes. But three people came in late together. So I stopped the meeting. Normally I wouldn't. If someone was late, if one person was late, I would carry on with the meeting and then I would dress it with them afterwards. But three people came in together and they were talking as they came in. And so I stopped the meeting and asked them where they'd been. 
Did they not know what the time of the meeting was? And it wasn't appropriate for them to be disruptive when they walked into the room. And then I spoke to them again afterwards. There's rare occasions when you do it publicly. The behaviour has to be pretty bad. Um, but you're going to do it privately. And and so if you notice behaviour uh, of one of your colleagues, you know, I I'm never, never suggest for one minute that you would do it in a public situation. What you want to do is pull them to one side and say, hey, listen, I'm not sure if you're aware but when you talked to whoever before, that was quite a harsh tone. It was quite disrespectful. I'm not sure if you notice, but when you talk over the top of people, it's very disrespectful. Have you ever seen that? Again, that's just a toxic behaviour where people won't let other people finish a sentence. I had a question uh, recently about how do you stop people talking over each other in virtual meetings? Really, really easy. It's really easy. Because every tool has this, is everybody goes on mute and then you either use the chat and you type in your name and that's the next person that speaks. So you get a list. And so if I want to speak, I'll just type Colin in the chat and the facilitator will see Colin or you use the hands up function. Right. And the hands up function is up to the facilitator to notice who's got their hands up first. If you didn't see, just say who had the hand up first and then allow the person to come in. It's really straightforward. Um, but again, people don't structure or set up their meetings in that way. So, um, yeah, so you want to you want to address it privately. You want to point it out. You don't want to be the rescue. You don't want to be the fixer. It's up to people to fix their own behavior. You can't tell people to be positive. You can't tell people to have a growth mindset. You have to help them understand how to get there themselves. Now, if you're a manager, that's your job. Your job is to motivate and inspire individuals to do the best work that they can. And you have to create an environment, a great culture in which they feel able to do that. Also, you have to create a culture of accountability so that where one person does step out of line, their teammates hold them accountable. And as a manager, that's when you know that you're doing a great job because that you get very few things bubble up for you to actually address. And I remember one incident when I was managing New Zealand. I remember this guy came to me, he's like, Colin, we had an incident earlier this week. You don't need to know about it, just to let you know it's sorted. And I was like, awesome, thank you. And of course, I was constantly thinking of the rest of the day, ooh, I wonder what happened. But the team had sorted it out and it was great. I mean, performance was back where it needed to be. If this person doesn't want to change, then you have to help them to get help. A coach, a mentor, most organizations offer some form of employee assistance program, an EAP program, where they can get help. Uh, they can join an informal network of people where they can share their ideas. Um, but it, it, I, I guess to, to, to finish the podcast, it, it, it's just not good enough for them to behave and perform for poorly. They're letting the team down and that's not acceptable. And it's also not acceptable for you or their manager to walk past that behavior. Someone has to take responsibility for dealing with it such that that toxicity um, doesn't become pervasive and ruin things for everyone. Hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Ta-ra for now.